Coming up this week off screen, NWA takes us straight out of Compton, Hayley Stanfeld is barely lethal, Zach Efron assures us we are your friends, and Rupert Friend puts on the red tie in Hitman Agent 47. All of those to come and so much more off screen. This is This is Off Screen. Off screen. The latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. My name is Case Allen. So, should we start with the uh, Hitman Agent Forty Seven this week? Uh, yes, let's do that. So, this is uh, a reboot, retread, whatever you want Can to call it. Can we even call it a reboot? Because I don't think I don't it know. acknowledges that the first attempt ever. Basically, for, for the layman's, this is there was a video game called Hitman, really? and that, that spawned a few sequels, and it, it, it's quite highly regarded amongst you know sort of gamers of a certain teenage age. It is. Um, and then they tried to make a movie out of it in two thousand seven, I believe, hmm. with Timothy Olyphantastic. Like we say every week every now. Week now. Every Timothy week. Oliphant or Olafantastic, uh, putting in his Olafantastic performance as Agent Forty Seven, mm. and the film was rubbish, and and really po faced, and didn't want to you know in any way had no fun. acknowledge that it was based on a video game. It had no fun to it. It was just dull, and it didn't take off. It wasn't a franchise, and now we've got uh, well a reboot. We've got a mm. second attempt at it, starring Rupert Friend. Who you just told me took over for Paul Walker? After yeah, his, Paul Walker uh, was originally untimely demise. Yeah, and uh, so we've now got Rupert Friend, Hannah Ware, and Zach Kinto in Agent Forty Seven, which yes. it was Agent Forty Seven Hitman, and then as the film has it's now reached Hitman, closer, Agent Forty Seven in giant fonts. Yeah, now that they seem to have more confidence in it, it's Hitman Agent Forty Seven. Mm. Yeah, so basic gist around around this one is Agent Forty Seven, the titular assassin. Um, basically sets out to track down the scientist who created the agent program. The agent program, which of course spawned 47, who is a genetically enhanced, you know, he's stronger, he's faster, he's more intelligent, Hmm. a killer. Uh, The scientist who created the program disappeared long ago, and he decides to use the scientist's estranged daughter, played by Hannah Ware, to track the scientist down, uh, crossing paths with another agent who may be out to protect her, played by Zach Kinto. Here's a clip. You know why you're still alive? Because I chose not to kill you, but they will. Why do they want to kill me? We were part of the same program. Speed, strength, and intelligence. They want our DNA to build an army. Okay, untie me. You're the same as me. So untie yourself. So all the clips uh, for, for Hitman are quite action-oriented, so we don't really get right. to have much dialogue, so you have to forgive me the whole rescue <laughs> well, yourself. I, I can't imagine yeah. that there's a great deal of dialogue in the entire film. It is quite um, a talky film, but it really? is a, a, a sort of a spectacular action fest in its way. It's yeah. very schlocky. It's very... Right. It, put it, it has that Resident Evil pedigree to it. You know, in terms of being that based level on of CG. Game, yeah. yeah, it has okay. that to it. There is a moment uh, in, in, I think, the set later, later in the second act of Agent 47, in which Aware's character turns to the hitman and asks, "Who would want more of you?" <laughs> Referring obviously to you know the, the the assassins of his kind, and you can't help but take it as this meta statement of the whole film. Like who who saw 2007's Hitman and said, "You know what? We need to take another shot at this." 
Because you, you wonder. I mean, first of all, this is a TV series concept, not a movie. Mm. And the movie really does confirm that wholeheartedly. Um, it's a lot better than the first one. Which, I mean, did you right. see the first one? I have seen the first one. Did you forget it as quickly as I did? Uh, pretty much straight after I walked out of the cinema. Oh, that's yeah. it. You didn't that's remember. It, yeah. I think I think most most men remember that Olga Kurilenko got her kit off in it, and that was about it. Yeah, that was that was memorable. That, that was really about it. <laughs> and also that Timothy Oliphant was was a pretty uh, fun Agent Forty Seven, even though the film was in no way fun. So I do think uh, this is far say far more entertaining. It hits the ground running with this really sort of bolstered tongue in cheek sensibility, which the last attempt lacked. This is very aware that it's based on a video game. This plays to the video game sensibilities very, very well, um, and it it, always, it plays kind of like a video game enhanced transporter movie in a strange way. It has okay. that, that you know that Euro action feel that the transport movies have. This mm, has sure. that going for it as well. Um, Rupert Friend. Who I, I mostly know from Homeland now. Yeah. I think most people do really know him from. from I, I know I've seen him in quite a few just different parts. He was in uh, Startup with uh, Van Mandelson. He, he was. You, you yeah. pointed out he was the counselor. He was the counselor. And he was yeah. one of. The, I think I, when I reviewed, it, I said he was one of the better things in it. But you weren't a great fan. No, you weren't. No, I, I wasn't a fan of Startup. But uh, say so he's he's quite likable as this sort of taciturn shadowy assassin and it mm. is one of those sort of deadpan humorless characters but he manages to inject some fun into it you know that sort of nonchalant violence is the only way kind of but yeah. it's, but I'm fun about it <laughs> Hannah Ware I like very very much uh, she's got she's got leading lady appeal she's got sort of gritty and you know, engaging acting acting chops and she has actually got the ability to handle the physical attributes of the character okay. and it is very very surprising that in 2015 we still live in a cinematic culture in which video game adaptations are arguably the front runners for compelling female leads in action movies. How depressing is that? It's strange, isn't it? I mean, it is very with strange. The whole superhero boom that's still not taken off for leading ladies, is it? It really is. But video game adaptations, they've got it right. Um, Zach Kinto, brilliant sort of. Uh, is he or isn't he a villain type of right, character? Yeah. You don't know quite what You don't side. quite know. It's it, a bit of a shadow. A little bit of a shadow character. Although, I will say this, the first half hour of this film really made me want to see Zach Kinto as the, as the sole lead in an action movie. Genuinely, mm, I, I want to see that. Uh, I'm not sure if you could pull off something like Un- Uncharted, but that, that would work. When they make well, it as Drake, oh, you could kind be, of pull that off. That'd be interesting. interesting. Being Spock and Drake, right? Yeah. Is, that's two different sides. So you've got a basic three act structure. The first act is like a rejig Terminator. The second act, your origin story. The third act goes full Resident Evil. With <laughs> Resident Evil sans mutants, basically, okay. and uh, it, there's not much that's going to challenge the audience. And but given given the sort of the video game origins and its sort of franchise roots and its sensibilities, it really has no need to challenge anyone. You kind of know what you're getting going in and it does deliver on those things it's not a very good film by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination it really isn't yeah, don't, don't go kidding yourself that's it I mean it's got a respectable level of sort of stylistic you know verve and sort of a very confident swagger from it's got Alexander Buck uh, directing whom I'm not familiar with his work outside no, I'm not sure what else he's uh... He's done. I mean, it would be it would be doing a, a real favour to call it above average, if we're really honest. <laughs> but it is enjoyable. And because it's not the first attempt to do this series, because it's you know a movie for 15-year-old boys based on a video game for 16-year-old boys, you really have, you can't really expect... No, it's not going to be a great deal of depth. A, but you know what? For, for 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 its for its mandate, for its sort of <laughs> functional logline, you know what? It serves the it serves the task perfectly. Basically, it's enjoyable, but it's rubbish. 
It's rubbish, right. but, but it's not it's... as rubbish as you expect it to be. Okay. Yeah, yeah but that, I'll, that I'll say that. That works. Should we do some film news then, Let's guys? Let's do some film news, Van. Okay, so we've got some interesting stuff to cover this week. Mm, um, definitely. Have you heard about the Sofia Vergara project? Because she's yet to mm. really break through into films. She's the no, highest paid actress on US TV now. Yeah, I think the figures were recently released with how much she's just made on Modern Family. She's, it's crazy. It really is. So she's the highest paid actress on TV for Modern Family. Her attempt to break through into film didn't exactly go down well with no. her pursuit. And uh, now she's signed on for a highest comedy called The Brits Are Coming. Okay. Have, you, have you heard of this one? I have heard of this, actually. So yeah, this is going to no, start... Well, yeah. I mean, the title's been used quite a bit, The Brits. It's, I think it's basically it's in every Aaron Sorkin show there is an episode called The Brits Coming. It's definitely a West Wing episode. <laughs> so definitely, and I think there is in uh, the newsroom as well. Right. But this is going to be a heist comedy starring Tim Roth, Uma Thurman, Parker Posey, Crispin Glover, Alice Eve, uh, Stephen Fry... And yeah, go figure. Yeah, wow. So this is going to be the story of a, a con artist couple played by Uma Thurman and Tim Roth, who are in debt to a gangster played by Maggie Q, who I forgot. Yes, who yes. go to Los Angeles to commit a jewelry heist mm. against Tim Roth's ex-wife, played by Alice Eve, and Sophia okay. Vergara plays the mistress of Alice Eve's husband, who's going to be played by Crispin Glover. Is, is that, yeah, that sounds I'm pretty good. Completely on board with that. That sounds kind of like what you wanted uh, Gambit to be. I was just going to say, it sounds like a yeah. better version of Gambit. Yeah. Gambit really disappointed That was me. a letdown. So, Sam Worthington, everyone's favourite actor. You know, that old <laughs> The that old, original Jai Courtney. The original Jai Courtney. <laughs> Jai Courtney 1.0. <laughs> Jai Courtney 1.0, as opposed to Jai Courtney, who is in fact Sam Worthington 2.0. Yeah. Jai um, Courtney uh, Salvation. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Sam Worthington has signed on to star in an upcoming sci fi movie called The Titan. Does this one I've, I've been reading about this, actually. This is going to star Ruth Wilson, mm. whom I like very much I in Luther. really, yeah. Oh, she's great. She's Luther. great in Luther. She played uh, serial killer Alice. Alice, yeah. She's gonna be. She's gonna be in this one along with uh, Sophia Butella from Kingsman. So the Blade Runner, the, yeah, Blade Runner, the Blade yeah. Runner from Kingsman, yeah. <laughs> and this is going to be a sci-fi adventure movie about a military family who are shot into space to conduct an experiment on genetic evolution. That sounds, that sounds quite interesting. Intriguing, doesn't it? Yeah. We've got a fair few decent sci-fi movies coming up. Well, you know, we? Sam Worthington doing sci-fi again. Y- yeah, you mm. wonder about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. We had Avatar. Was that um, enough? That's the question. What else have we got? Well, interesting enough, uh, Melissa, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Is it Benoist? Benoist. I would Benoist? say Benoist, but let's, I let's don't know. Benoist. Melissa Benoist, <laughs> who an, a month from now is going to be TV's Supergirl. Mm. Have you seen the pilot? I think it looks quite promising, yeah. I've seen the pilot. I've seen the pilot. It's awful. And I've, oh, we, so we are on two different sides. Are we on two different sides? Yeah. Okay. I, I think it shows some promise. I, I think it, it's it's bad on almost every conceivable level because everything about it's a mischance. But that's that's for the TV podcast, not the this, not this film one. It is, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Right, so Melissa Benoist has joined the upcoming romantic drama Oxford, hmm. uh, in which she will play a Rhodes Scholar, an American Rhodes Scholar, who um, enrolls in Oxford University and finds herself... Um, at odds with a curmudgeonly teaching uh, teaching assistant, played by uh, Sam Hewen, who it turns out is secretly fighting a terminal illness. The two fall for each other and decide to dedicate the rest of their lives to making the most of every day by okay. travelling the world. 
So this sounds like it's one for the notebook crowd. I was going to say, it? it's got a certain Nicholas Sparks esque air to How it. How is this not written by Nicholas Sparks? Because he doesn't do films outside of the US. It would seem so. Yeah. Unless there's, you know, a, a lake and someone's oh, sanding, yeah. sanding down a boat. Um, oh, you have to have uh, traditional boat sanding. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or building a house with In Nicholas two Sparks' hands. world, there's no such yeah. thing as an unsanded boat. So <laughs> there's only such there's no such things that are already standard boats. Sorry, yeah. there are only oh, but only standard boats. So Mads Mickelson. We got, we oh, I love this news. I love. I do I, as well. This cast man is coming together. So Mads Mickelson last week was cast in Star Wars Rogue One uh, with Alan Tudyk. Yeah, and he's, that's he's, great. He's going to be a good guy. That's that's the shocker. Mm. Mads Mickelson's going to be a good guy in Star Wars Rogue One. But, of course, we don't want Mads Mickelson to be a good guy. No, we, we don't. want Mads Mickelson to be a villain, because that's what Mads Mickelson's awesome at. And what film is he going to be the villain in? Marvel's Doctor Strange. Yes. How awesome. So you're going to have a Marvel movie next year, with yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch in the lead, a mentor played by Tilda Swinton, and two villains to be played by Chiwetel Ejiofor... And Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, and Rachel McAdams as the romantic lead, if that pans out. If that pans out. How awesome does this movie sound? They are putting that cast together, they man. Really it is are. so good. I never thought I would see myself this excited about a Doctor yeah. Strange movie, but you know what? Here we are. It's crazy. Like, if that cast was released about seven or eight years ago, you didn't know what film film was, you, you wouldn't think it was going to be a Marvel superhero. You'd think it was some kind of period drama. Well, if you put it out seven or eight years ago, we'd want, what, Pitt the Elder from Amazing Grace is going to be Doctor Strange. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's all I knew better than mm. Cumberbatch. Pit the younger, pit the elder. I can't remember. Pit the elder. Superhero nerd point for you though about Amazing Grace. Oh yeah, it was uh, William Wilberforce was of course played by the first Mister Fantastic, Ewan Grufford. Sorry, That's the it, second yeah. Mister Fantastic. If we don't count, if we count Richard Roger Corman, I don't think one. anybody ever counts. No. Roger so Corman Ewan Grufford, Mister Reed Richards was Horatio Hornblower himself. Yeah. So yeah. Reed Richards and uh, Doctor Strange have been in a film together. Go figure. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we review. Oh, let's do the top ten. Let's then. do the old top ten. Let's do the top yeah. ten. Number 10. Minions, I've still not seen it. You've still not seen it. It's on the way out now as well, strangely. So, yeah, I don't know, you're probably just going to buy it me for Christmas, aren't you? It's probably just going to end up... Not only am I going to buy it you for Christmas, Case, I'm going to buy you the deluxe box set that comes in an actual Minion. <laughs> <laughs> Which will inevitably... Resplendent with all the other Despicable Me films. <laughs> it'll be the Minion short disc. Minion in Minion's wrapping well. paper. It yeah. will be. That's exactly what I'm going to do for you for Christmas, Case, because you know what? The film is a lot of fun sort of for a family audience. Alice and Janie and Michael Keaton are great in it. Uh, they should have been the central uh, sort of villain figures, but they're not. They're I think not. that's a waste. Okay. But you know what? The minions are always fun. They're always engaging. What's not to love? Number nine. Okay, we have uh, Trainwreck. Which we loved. We, we both do, loved. yeah. I don't know what else we can say about it. It's just there's, there's fantastic cameos. As... I'm saddened that it's down to number nine already. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's really like... taken off in this country. It has in America. It does, for me, confirm uh, exactly how much weight the Judd Apatow name carries on its own without the Judd Apatow cast. Mm. Uh, because that seemed to be the big experiment with this film. Can Judd Apatow's name sell a film starring more or less an unknown? Yeah. Because that's who Amy Schumer is in this country is an unknown. She's sort of a known commodity in the US, but she's True. basically non-existent well there's, the there's, there's no Paul Rudd there's no Seth Rogen there's no the usual actor cohort exactly where's, where's Jonah Hill in this movie? where is Jonah Hill yeah. <laughs> you could make the argument that Bill Hader counts but well, uh, yeah, yeah. to a mainstream audience not so much and it's a shame because the film's great it's very very funny it's very heartwarming it's very sharply written and Amy Schumer is fantastic in it and you mm. know what it gives Bill Hader something to do he's a romantic lead and he's fantastic at doing that exactly he, he's our Hollywood case that's what he is <laughs> oh <laughs> 
You flatter us, sir. Number eight. Cool. Uh, bad education, the movie. Straight in, number eight. Straight in at number eight. Well, you know what? I think that's kind of about where I saw it going. Because it's, yeah. it's not got the audience appeal of something like The Inbetweeners. It's not got the highbrow appeal of something like Alan Partridge. It is very much an eight, you know, an eighth position sort of a film. I did laugh. I did find it funny, and it, because it it knows its strengths and it plays to them, hmm. and its strengths weirdly in this case seem to be, you know what? Let's use Jack Whitehall as this sort of parable for the weak chinned Etonian elite, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the Devon public school crowd kind of a thing, and and it works. It really does. I had a lot of fun with it. A cameo by Jeremy Irving I didn't quite expect in there as well, and you've got Ian Glenn as a sort of antagonist. You've already put me off with saying that Jeremy Irvin is in it. But he's my horse, sir. <laughs> he's my horse. Trippier than a rain pipe in a monsoon, that actor. Unless it was mm. that movie. What was that movie with uh, Michael Douglas oh, that I really loved? Man, I still haven't seen that. It's the awesome. one where Michael Douglas hunts Jeremy Irvin. Yeah, where Jeremy, <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Irvin's hunted by Michael. He was awesome in there. But yeah. that education, you know what? If you like the series, you're going to love the film. If you don't find the series uh, funny, you're not going to find the yeah. film funny. It's exactly as good mm. as the series was. Okay. Number seven. This is a bit of a shame. Uh, new entry, Vacation. Again, this is very much... The fact that it's in at number seven, like the mm. Judd Apatow name, it tells you how much the Vacation brand actually means. Mm. You can't help but think, actually, that if it weren't for the Vacation sort of branding, wouldn't Ed Helms' family road trip comedy have gone in higher? And yeah. I, I kind of think it would. Think I, mean, it would? I think there's enough audience in that. I think maybe the National Lampoon side of it, the marketing it as this great reboot, might have been its shortcoming. Mm. And which, funnily enough, tied into something we said about the film, which was the, the, the actual Chevy Chase sequence it's in it. It's the most forced part of the film. It does. It's it just sinks not it dead. But it's a film so full of laughs. It has yeah. so many great moments in it. It has a certain AMC cameo in there which had me in stitches, which we're yeah, never ever going to repeat on air because it's so good. Just, you can't, can't spoil do it. it. And it had uh, Charlie Day, a great appearance by Charlie Day in one of my favourite comedic scenes of the year, <laughs> and also the greatest use of a Mariah Carey. Sorry, not Mariah Carey. Who did the original version uh, without you? Nielsen. Nielsen? It's Nielsen. Okay, there and we Mariah Carey covered it in the early 90s. Yeah. Sold loads of money. Sold loads of money, made loads of money. Made loads of money. <laughs> Sold loads of copies, made loads <laughs> of money. That's, that's generally how business works. Yeah, yeah. But Ed Helms is the modern Chevy Chase. It works very, it's very, very well. good casting. It, it reminded is. me of uh, Weather Millers. I think that'd be a good, fun road trip double bill. It would. I, those two I, together. Could, I could go with that, actually. That, that is a, that's a Matalan box set. That's what that is. It certainly is, You know yes. you get those crap Matalan box sets? Two thematically connected, balloon-related <laughs> movies. Like a cardboard sleeve over y- it. Yeah, exactly yeah. those. Yeah, you know the kind. But yeah, Vacation and We're the Millers. That's the Matalan box set there. Um, I liked Vacation. I don't think I don't want to be optimistic enough to ever presume that we'll get a reboot of European Vacation, which I would really like. Or Christmas. <laughs> or Christmas Vacation. But I, I wouldn't want to see a straight reboot of those ones. Did you know that there was a director DVD sequel to Christmas Vacation? No, there is actually a Christmas really? Vacation too. There is with with Chevy Chase with Randy Quaid, I believe. Oh, that's why I've not seen it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. One, no one wants to see. The Randy best thing Quaid. he's ever done was fly up a giant spaceship in Independence Day. And die, die for our sins. In That's the, the best words, thing he's ever done. In the words of our generation, die for our sins, Randy. Number six. This is moving down. Uh, pixels. Which I liked. I think a lot of people have been quite surprised by how much more mainstream appeal it actually has, how much less irritating Adam Sandler is in this dialed-down mm. form. Plays it straight. He does play it relatively straight. He's playing Fly, Fry from Futurama. I don't think there's anything more to say from there. Yeah. Uh, did you, you get to see this in the end, didn't you? Uh, I still haven't. You still haven't. Um, I did find it, it, it ticked the boxes. And it, it was enough to make you want to go to the retro arcade afterwards. 
spring for the IMAX, spring for the 3D. Yeah. You will enjoy it. Just, just you know, pop your pop your quarter in the in the slot. And what is it? What's the arcade money in this country? I can never remember. Is it like 50p? Like 50p or no, whatever. 50p. Yeah. Pop your 50p in the slot and and then you know switch off and play the game. It's just like Pac Man. Yeah. Number five. The Man from Uncle. Uh, this has gone down quickly, I hasn't know. it? And you know what? It's glossy. It's slick. It's fun. It's sexy. Vikander is great. Vikander is great. Although I liked Cavill and I liked uh, I a great Army Hammer. They they are a great double act. They're not Alicia Vikander though. Alicia no. Vikander, sorry, and she Alicia, is amazing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she needs to be in every film ever, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I like but, uh, um, uh, Hugh Grant as well. A great appearance. Yeah, Grant. I'm just sorry. Cool, like M kind of character. Yeah, there yeah. isn't enough Jared Harris though for my liking, which I think is a shame. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I did have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I don't think it's got the momentum and, and oomph that Kingsman had. No, but I can't it, see it kickstarting a franchise. But no, I don't. I don't think so either. As opposed to Kingsman, where yes, they probably can make a franchise out of it. Though I will stress that doesn't mean they should. Number four. And speaking of franchises, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. Where is Hunt? <laughs> where is Hunt? Where is Hunt? But uh, now Alec Baldwin being the best Alec Baldwin he can possibly mm. be <laughs> yeah. uh, in a movie that's got Tom Cruise showing you how good Tom Cruise can possibly be. Because that's what Tom Cruise does. Tom Cruise goes away, his public persona annoys you, and then he comes back and does a film and reminds you why he's a movie star, and then lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah, um, exactly, yeah. That's it. And I, I, I can't wait for the next one. I can't I am, wait for Mission Impossible I'm really six. happy, actually. We, we have reached a stage with the Mission Impossible franchise where we are starting to get something of a regular ensemble going, where we have Bing yeah. Rames, Jeremy Renner, Simon Pegg. We have this ensemble cast now that's... Because uh, it, it seems to... It goes seemingly at the rate of like a 24 cast, where every season they add one new cast member to the long-term roster. It's usually the girl, and his character. Well, the girl gets recycled every time. Interchangeable, yeah. But they, they collect guys. So they collect guys. Is that like a Scientology that, that, thing? Yeah, that, that a Scientology happens, thing. Yeah. They're inducting okay. new members into the franchise every time. <laughs> it is a shame, however, that they will not likely keep Rebecca Ferguson around, because she's great in this. She is fantastic. Number three. Uh, Sinister 2, a new entry. Rhymes with Sinister Poo. That tells you all you need to know. It is rubbish. The final 15 <laughs> minutes had me wanting to bang my head against the chair in front just to drown out the incessant noise of the garbage coming out of the screen. Yeah. Um, Really slapped together sequel. Really ham-fisted. Not particularly... There are moments, actually, that were interesting, but the film on a whole really isn't, isn't particularly engaging. I disliked more or less everything about it, to be honest. Number two. But you absolutely love this next one. Inside Out. Bing Bong! <laughs> I play a mean nose. <laughs> I love Bing so Bong. So good. Bing Bong is incredible. But no, such a great film. I was in the Disney store on Oxford Street recently, mm. first time in a couple of years. Oh, that is just wall to so wall. So much Inside Out yeah. stuff. Wall to wall Pixar. Oh, God. I, tell you, I could have spent a fortune on Inside Out toys in, in, in Disney. I really yeah. could have. It was insane. And. Inside Out is one of those franchises that every time you see the merchandise for it, you instantly get transported back in your mind to having seen the film. And like, mm. oh, I want to watch that again because I love that bit and I love that. I love bit, that. Yeah, I love Amy Poehler in it, and I want to buy this Joy doll. And I want all of the anger merchandise. Yes. You, can get, you can get an anger mug with his square, like his head. You can buy an anger lunchbox in the shape <sighs> of anger. <sighs> That's all I need. That. I, I need that in my life. See, this is this is the problem with with our generation case. We are, yeah. we are we're sort of too too warped by Disney. It seems. Yeah. <laughs> really I have bought into a machine. <laughs> I have as well. Take but yeah, money. Inside Out, it's great. Go and see it. Take the kids and have an enjoyable, heartwarming family film yeah. experience. Number one. Paper Towns is our number one. 
Well, it's it's kind of a modern John Hughes type affair. Yeah, I can see what they're going for, definitely. You can, can see, see their influences. I don't think this is anywhere near as good as The Fault in Our Stars. There's nowhere near as good as a John Hughes film. There's nowhere near as good as a John Hughes film, no. Um, what is your favourite John Hughes film out of interest? Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Really? Yes. Uh, I kind of... Or Uncle Buck, because that was my favourite film when I was a kid. Really? I'm yeah. torn between Weird Science and She's Having a Baby. I do like She's Having a Baby. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? It is yeah. difficult, yeah. No, no, it's a debate for another time. Anyway, yeah. but Paper Towns, I don't see the hype with Cara Delevingne. I really don't. No. I like Nat Wolf in there. I like I Nat Wolf. Halston Sage gets a great little performance in there, and I want to see more of her. Now, you're saying films. that you prefer her to be... I would prefer her as the... Yeah, I could almost sweet. understand it. But, hmm. uh, I don't know if it's a performance thing, if it's a writing thing. But, uh, no, Halston Sage is a better female lead than Cara Delevingne. Mm. And... Uh, the two sidekick best friends, they get a decent de- decent uh, role in it as well. Okay. Um, the problem with the film for me is uh, it's a little bit... I don't know. The second half is better than the first half. Once it gets on the road trip aspect of it, it is more engaging than the first half, which is the exploration of this sort of one-sided relationship you don't really particularly care about. Yeah. You're more interested in the friends, for instance, than you are Nat Wolf and his unrequited love for Cara Delevingne. Mm. But, uh, hey... It's trying to be a modern John Hughes film, and you know what? It, it's close enough that you can give it a free pass. Yeah. And also, you know, it follows the Fault Nast. It follows on, you know, from the, the making of the Fault Nast stars. That's it. If it, if it um, kind of captures the same kind of tone, it, if not, it's the same got quality. kind of that tone, yeah. And that's yeah. enough to give it the pass, really. Yeah. Okay. Some more film news, then, Mister Answer. We should yeah. start with the, with the Civil War news. Let's start with that because the two opposing sides for Marvel's upcoming Captain America Civil War mm. have been revealed. They have. On the one side, we have a team fronted by Captain America, and who is in the Cap team? Uh, this is going to include Bucky Barnes or the Winter Soldier, yeah. uh, Sam Wilson, aka the Falcon, uh, Agent Thirteen from Winter Soldier, of course, yeah, uh, played by Emily Van Camp, yeah, and a, a new costume for Hawkeye on that mm, team as well. He's, he's gone blue. He, he's gone blue. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's, is it blue or purple? I can't tell. I think it's like a bluey purple. Are we, are we missing someone as well? We are missing, I think, Scarlet Witch on that side. But, Mr. Uh, Scott Lang. Oh, oh, oh Scott Ant Lang. Man. Yeah, of course. He's, you know what he's, it is. He's, he's yeah. little. He's, he's little. little. You can yeah. forgive him for missing him. But on the Iron Man side, you of course, you have the Vision. You have uh, Black Panther. You have uh, Black Widow. And you have War Machine. I want to point out, though, that although we're missing Scarlet Witch, we're also missing Spider-Man as we well. Yeah. So, it's very uh, curious. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that one. Uh, Gideon Rath, meanwhile, he's one of the two co-creators of Homeland. Mm. Uh, he man Howard Gordon, who created uh, 24, is one of the 24 creators. Okay. Well, Gideon Rath, who's the co-creator of Homeland, and a show that I really love called Tyrant, um, he has announced he'll be returning to feature, feature filmmaking with Operation Brothers, which is going okay. to be... Um, this is going to be about the Ethiopian Civil War. So, hmm. it's an interesting... I mean, it seems to pick pretty dark. So you look at Tyrant, for instance, he picks uh, pretty interesting. I'm not and too familiar with Tyrant, really. I would recommend watching it. It's basically Lawrence of Arabia in present-day Middle East. Yeah, sold. Uh, present day, Lawrence of Arabia, I'm thinking. More of a Ben-Hur or Spartacus type of... You know, one of those old epic Even more. Stories. Even more so. Yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of like that. It's dialed down for television, but it works flawlessly. Uh, Adam Rayner's a great lead in it. Mm. Right, Anne Hathaway has signed up for yeah. an interesting project. Okay. Um, this was, I will be honest, I read the headline, Anne Hathaway to star in The Shower, and I, 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 I <laughs> click, couldn't, click, couldn't click. click an article fast enough, if I'm honest. Anne Hathaway has signed up to a, an alien invasion comedy called The Shower, mm. and the basic plot of this one is a group of women at a baby shower witness an alien invasion of Earth and have to, you know, save themselves. Okay. This sounds like it could be that, that scene from uh, Trainwreck and Gone Bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Meanwhile, speaking of things gone bad, Joaquin Phoenix and M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Oh, is it Shyamalan? Shyamalan? I can never remember. It's Shyamalan, isn't it? Um, but it's spelled Shyamalan. Shyamalan. I, I, I think it's Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Okay, so Joaquin Phoenix and yeah. Shyamalan, uh, they're going to re-team on an okay. upcoming mystery project, which is also going to include Jason Bloom, with whom Shyamalan worked on mm. The Visit, which is out, yeah. I think, next week or the week after. That's very under the radar, that, isn't it? That really is. Yeah. You almost get the impression they didn't want to widely advertise a new M. Night Shyamalan. Or yeah. give it his scrub's name, M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> But uh, so I said to him, I said, mm, yeah. <laughs> With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. So on to uh, we are your friends. Then now you, you didn't catch this one. Did it appeal Sadly to you at not. all? Okay, so when I first saw the trailer, it did not appeal to me. Did not uh, the more I've heard about it, the more I've seen the extra trailers and interviews and stuff. The more I'm kind of intrigued by it, really. <laughs> so, so this is to say, at the risk of sounding shallow, you, you look at this film and you think it's a movie about DJing, starring Zac Efron, the girl, and the girl from the Blurred Lines video. Yeah. And it, 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 its marketing department want to keep referring to it as hashtag waif. Hashtag waif is how we've we've been saying hashtag waif for yeah, weeks now. So you, we? yeah. you kind of you can be forgiven for expecting it to be a little bit. It's a little bit shallow. Just, yeah, fast, yeah, that's yeah. A good word for, yeah. Somewhat feckless. You are feckless. without speck. <laughs> yeah. as, One without feck. Uh, as Eddie Azard would say. Although, mm. did you know it's absolutely anything disappeared from the uh, top absolutely 10? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely nothing. <laughs> right, so what you actually got, though, is something a little bit more than that. But this mm. is the uh, this is the story of a young aspiring DJ played by Zac Efron who is attempting to sort of forge his way into a sort of mainstream populist career. Um, he encounters a, a known commodity DJ uh, named James Reed, played by Wes Bentley who sort of takes him under his wing. The pair become friends and James Reed starts to basically coach him, teach him the ropes, as it were, and sort of give him a path onto the big time. However, um, as his relationship with James progresses and as he journeys more and more into the music side of it, he's forced to reassess not only his priorities but basically what he's doing with his life in general. Here's a clip. The beginning sounds like Skrillex's brother made it. And then right here... That sounds like early Juan Atkins to me, which is good, but uh, you're trying to be too many different people. I want a lot of switches. I want a lot of transitions. Yeah. That's what's crushing it now. All that was missing was a hashtag. Imitation is suicide. Emerson said that. Okay. Look, you can make people dance, and that's half the battle. Any successful artist, they have this moment where they stop being an admirer, and they find their signature. So you've got Zac Efron, who I, I'll be honest, I quite like at this stage. I quite like some Zac Efron. I he's like Zac he's good. broken out of that that, that uh, high, high School Musical sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's well. got a very good team behind him. He's got a good publicist. He has, hasn't he? He's, he's got very. He's, his taste in projects seems to be actually quite calculated, mm. and he's not just chucking out a, a film and then, like shotgun style, not machine gun style, belting out films. Yeah. he is just, but he seems to be picking them quite carefully, and it shows with this film, which in actuality is something like akin to sort of a soft core Brett Easton Ellis type adaptation. Mm. It's uh, kind of a, a sincere, a sort of modern coming of age tale for the Snapchat generation, <laughs> if you will, because the film is set around you know people in their early twenties who you know sort of the, that yeah. kind of mid college, post college lull. Is that quite a good metaphor then? Because you'll just forget this film almost instantly. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's yeah, gone. The ten second timer <laughs> it's will disposable. You won't forget the film. I did remember some some kind of thing, things of the film. Um, Emily Ratajkowski. I did remember, for instance, she's kind of bad in this. She's yeah. kind of terrible. Like, 
I don't like her at all. I mean, she has no. nothing to do in this film but show side boob and yeah. gyrate her some music and basically bide time until she gets that Zac Efron sex scene that you all know is coming. Because, you know, he's a good-looking guy, she's a good-looking girl. They're going to bone. That's going to happen. That's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Just, it's preordained. This is going to happen. <laughs> and, I mean, arguably, I mean, her, her acting range, she's trying to go for this it's-so-natural kind of performance. And, you know, what you get is something that it feels like an amateur porn star. She was like an amateur porn star performance, only without the fun. And having recently watched... The, what was that documentary? Hot Girls Wanted, that was it, about the amateur porn oh, stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Rashida uh, Jones, Rashida Jones one, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it very much. That, that's now yeah, giving me a really new insight into the acting range of amateur porn stars. Yeah, so you can carefully assess and say that yeah. she has that level she of skill. She has exactly yeah. that level of skill. And, um, well, it, it's debatable. She actually seems to get more of a defined role in the Entourage movie than she does in this, and that's really saying something. Meanwhile, you've got Wes Bentley, who's having quite a visible amount of fun sort of relishing in the very fractured... He's having a bit of a resurgence recently. He is, isn't he? Yeah. I think I, I blame Hunger Games. That's right. <laughs> it's that beard. It's that maybe, beard. Maybe he, like, kind of, uh, I don't know, sculpted it himself. That's it. I mean, he's got a, a surprising amount of introspection and a sort of bemused fun that he injects into this performance. Um, and then, of course, you've got John Bernthal. A.K.A. The Punisher. The, Punisher, the new yeah. Punisher. And John Bernthal is doing that thing that he always does, where he's got a sort of unlikable character, but the absolute unflinching swagger that he <laughs> bolsters it with makes him kind of engaging and interesting. You, you kind of can't start watching it. Mm. And he's given the sort of walking, talking representation of all that's wrong with the world sort of a role. Yeah. But you know what? You still like him because it's John Bernthal. That's it. He's always given that... That kind of role, isn't he? He's yeah. never, it's never been the lead. So no, no. I'm hoping Punisher changes that. I think it might. I, I hope think it so. Might. So you've got uh, writer director Max Joseph behind this, and this is his feature debut. And the Brett Easton Ellis thing, I think, seems to be quite conscious. He's injecting that Easton that Easton Ellis style into it, and he does it quite a, quite effectively. With a notable amount of confidence. There is a sequence in which, uh, almost breaking the fourth wall, Zac Efron's character relays the mechanics of DJing to us, the actual physiological biomechanics of DJing so I don't to know us. I, I don't know if I need to know that. And it's actually, it's interesting. It's strangely alluring. Uh, it's well executed. It makes the point entirely well. There, there are sequences like this. There's a, a, a PCP drug sequence in it, which is... Exactly, it's almost out of fear and loathing. It's mm. kind of a lot of fun. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the rules of uh, rules of attraction. You saw that okay. adaptation yeah, right, yeah. with uh, James Van Der Beek and mm. Ian Somerhalder. And then, of course, you've got the story, which is kind of mechanically predictable and a little bit plodding. Mm. And it's it's the film's ultimate shortcoming. And that's kind of sad because the scene to scene plot movements are what lets the film down. And it lets it down. The name we were looking for, by the way, is Brett Paulak. He's the cinematographer on this, and he was the he cinematographer did on Short Term 12. Which is a wonderful, beautiful looking film. And his work translates here as well. His cinematography here is equally beautiful. Mm. You've also got Fat Seagal who does the music for it, and obviously, given the style of the yeah. film, it has to be a very specific one. And what you want is something... Those things are underserved by this very mechanical scene-to-scene plodding plot. Mm. And what you want from this film is a new song, and what you get is a remix. And that's kind of sad. Okay. So, of course, Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Schumer. We have to talk about this one. This is the weirdest pairing 
Ever. I don't know. I can kind of see them hanging out and being pals because they're not even like the same age. It's like a decade between really is, them. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, they, they they sort of become unlikely friends mm. in, in a strange way. And now they've announced they're going to be teaming up to co-write a comedy together in which they'll play sisters. Yeah. Now that I can I can see that. Works, although I think you'll struggle to find a better sister for Amy Schumer than Brie Larson. But uh, I would rather just see a spin-off. <laughs> you would. Yeah, like like kind of like like a This Is Forty style, but we just look at Brie Larson. <laughs> I, yeah. I know you would. You 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 really deep. She wouldn't even. Brie she even have to act. I just just look at it. <laughs> so we've got that. We've got Key and Peele to talk about as well. So uh, yeah. Key, uh, Keegan Michael Key, who's one half of Key and Peele, yeah. we're both big Key and Peele fans. Big time. Uh, Keegan Michael Key has joined the upcoming comedy Don't Think Twice. Okay, what's uh, this about? This is being directed by uh, Mike Berbelia. Really? Yes. This has got some, oh, wow. some interesting pedigree. And he's, too. he's in the train wreck as well. He is yeah. as well. Yes, he's, he's very good. Isn't he? Great cameo. Oh, it turns out I do like girls. Mm. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so Luke Bracy, meanwhile, who is the lead of the upcoming <laughs> god awful, looks god awful to me, yeah. uh, reboot of Point Break. Pointless Break. Pointless Break. Pointless, yes, break. pointless break. So we've got this upcoming remake of Point Break, starring Luke Bracy as Johnny Utah, and. <laughs> You know when you take it away from Keanu Reeves, you realise yeah. how stupid that name really is. I think that you should have just been Johnny. I mean, you, you can do the best Keanu impression whenever well. I know. <laughs> Good damn booty. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Luke Bracey. I forgot the body for surfing, that's really... <laughs> I saw this like a manatee on a, a manatee on a cracker, that's what I look like. Manatee on, a manatee, on, manatee on a rectangular cracker. That's mm. what I look like. But uh, no, Luke Bracey, who's the lead in Pointless Break, has signed up for the latest film to be directed by Mel Gibson. I didn't that's know. Mel Gibson's going to be direct, still directing films, so they'll yeah. still let him do that. They won't let him star in them. <laughs> but he can direct them. He can direct them. So, yeah, yeah I'd be very intrigued to see what the uh, press offerings for that one what, are. What is the title of this? Because I feel, this, I feel this like I've heard about this. Hacksaw Ridge. Yes. Hacksaw Ridge, which is going to be... This is a true story of a World War II soldier named Desmond Doss, who's going to be played by Andrew Garfield in the film. It's the story of the first conscientious objector, to the first pacifist, to be offered the uh, Medal of Honor for Bravery. And it's going to star Luke Bracey and Sam Worthington, because why not? <laughs> and, and here's the weird one. Just keep Vince Vaughn's going to be in it as well. Really? Vince Vaughn. Because True Detective. Be- because True, True Detective? Question mark? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> it's very much that case. Uh, one final piece then. Jason Mitchell, who plays Easy e in Straight Outta Compton. Mm. Uh, we'll talk about him when we get to that review. Yeah. Um, he is going to be joining the, his other co-star from uh, Stranded yeah, Compton, Corey, Corey Hawkins, Hawkins in uh, Skull Island, which is the, the reboot of King Kong we keep talking about. This yeah. is also going to star Brie Larson. Yeah, and, Toby Cabell. And, 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 uh, and potentially uh, John C. Riley And Tom Hiddleston, of course. In Belize, yeah. So Tom Hiddleston's like the only person that stayed consistent on that project, I think. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so Easy e Jason Mitchell, he's going to be joining. So yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. They don't know anything about his role other than that he's going to be a pilot of some kind. He's going to be a pilot. He's oh, going right. to be a pilot, so we yeah, shall see. see. Should we do uh, Barely Lethal then? More like Barely Watchable. I think slightly higher of it than you, but this is mm. this is the uh, this is the story of a sort of Luke Besson style, almost Leon-like uh, teenage child spy. Sort of teenage, isn't she? She's about 15. She's about 15-ish, yeah. Played by, uh, played by Hay- Hayley Steinfeld, who realises she knows nothing of a sort of actual regular teenage life. She thinks her child has been taken away from her by the organisation for which she works. Um, when she is left for dead on a mission, she seizes the opportunity to go undercover at a local high school. Well, not really local. 
Is it really? No, well, she's like goes, in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, finds she a school. Finds a high school. Yeah. Um, poses as a Canadian exchange student and seeks to uh, crack what what it really is to be a, a teenager in high school in in the modern world. Mm. But of course, it's not all going to go according to plan when forces from her old life, both good and bad, seek to return her to the fray. Here's a clip. She was last seen in Corsica three years ago, until she resurfaced eight hours ago and will probably be gone in eight more unless we bring her in correction unless you catch her agent 83 and bring her in alive wait what simmer down your b team 84 b team this should be my mission i studied the case file she's over there sniffing kesha the new fragrance by kesha i said simmer You need to get your head in the game, Agent 83, because Victoria Knox will take it off. So, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson right. and Haley Steinfeld there. <laughs> and this is the thing, as I was saying to you, uh, Samuel L. Jackson in this had a weird amount of overlap with his role in the Triple X movie. Very much, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, say, you didn't like this at all, I don't think. Um, um, there was, as we were saying earlier, uh, there was probably two redeemable. Uh, passing gags that Sam Jackson says. It was a quite a funny Steve O from Jackass cameo. Steve O from Jackass cameos yeah. in this. Who gets a better role than one of the main villains? This is strange. gets a better role than Jessica Alba in a strange way, doesn't mm. he? But uh, this is it. L- like the central character, it, it's a film which struggles with its own identity. It does not know tonally what it wants to be. Mm. You've got, on the one hand, you've got this bubblegum high school movie. You've then got this 21 Jump Street style movie which wants to send up. Uh, high school high school movie conventions in that great way which, which 21 Jump Street did and then you've got this dark hearted satirical you know espionage spy Luc Besson storyline going through and the three do not work together no, and arguably the bubblegum aspect is what seems to dominate the other two and it, it really makes for sort of an awkward and uncomfortable watch and in the middle of all this you've got a cast who all seem to be playing to different elements like Jessica Alba seems to want that Luke Besson thing as does Simon L. Jackson but Haley Steinfeld seems to want the Jump Street uh, with a hint of the bubblegum then you've got Sophie Turner who wants the just the high school bit it's a very strange sort of combination and then you've got to say Steinfeld is, is enjoyable in it I like her in it I think she's quite an entertaining young actress now and she has got a decent amount of range she doesn't seem to do the same project twice for instance. Yeah, I'll agree with that. You've got to go with that. But uh, Samuel L. Jackson makes arguably the most impression in the movie. He's got this sort of Checky Cayo like kind of instructor <laughs> presence. I mean, because if you're going with the Luke Besson parable, it is a Checky Cayo role. Mm. I miss him in films. Why yeah. did he go away? I don't know. Has Just he been back? In... I haven't seen him in anything since Addicted to Love in 1997. You, oh, dishwasher! But he was the best thing in that movie. It was an awful movie. He's the best thing in it. <laughs> but yeah, villain bad boys. I loved him in that. Yeah, but Sam Jackson is a good sort of stand-in for him. Yeah, Samuel yeah. Jackson plays it quite well. And Samuel Jackson gets a surprising number of the film's greatest laughs. Hmm. Of which, admittedly, there are only really a handful because you've got this tone which doesn't quite is gel. It's comedy or whatever, whatever it is. Oh, exactly. It, that's the thing. It wants to play the sort of fantasy versus reality of teenage life aspect. Hmm. And it, it has moments where that really works. And then it just gets overshadowed by everything else. There are so many sequences which play with the idea of high school movies and how they bear no resemblance to an actual real-world high school. And it, it works, but then they just get cast aside for plot 
plot, plot elements which do not add up. And it, it's a shame. You want this, basically, to be Mean Girls with grenades. Yeah. And what you get instead is this bubblegum-afflicted cartoonish mess. It's kind mm. of like when... It's like watching a bubblegum bubble actually burst on someone's face. On someone's face yeah. That's exactly what it's like. Um, the constituent elements, what it wants to be, you can see them. They mm. are visible. But aside from the original intention, it's... No. Yeah. I think what I really, really wanted it to be, I wanted it to be a quite short sequence in Kick-Ass 2 where Hit Girl goes to school. Exactly. But I just wanted it to be a better version of that with an actress I like infinitely more than Chloe Grace Moretz because I really, really like it. This time I've liked this <laughs> I saw in True Grit like everyone else, I that's guess. That's it. You can't deny just, she's a great actress. It just did not deliver for me. No, that's it. I want, I, that's what I wanted. I wanted the Assassin Goes to School element from Kick-Ass as yeah. a movie. You don't get it. And best intentions aside, it, it doesn't quite measure up. The intention is more entertaining than the finished film and the finished film is re- it's just below average I would mm. say it also doesn't seem to have a defined target audience like, no, I can't figure who, out who, this who is would for. really want to watch who would want to download this thing because it's not getting a full mainstream release no that's the thing because it's on video on demand you, you buy this one online VOD yeah we should, of course, you know, take the time actually to plug our uh, competitions. Yeah, well, let's do that. We've we've got a few things. So we've still got we've still got Sinister Two going on, uh, which is you know you win a t-shirt, radio, yeah. keychain, camera. Got uh, the Hitman stuff. We've got the Hitman stuff, yeah. which is the flash drive, neck tattoo. You got the t-shirt, the t-shirt with, with the red with the tie. tie. I like the that gun, a lot. The gun strap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, that's pretty sweet. It's a pretty cool. That's pretty cool stuff for Hitman. Any of our competitions are always available on onscreenfilm.com. Uh, competitions are on the main page, or there is an entire competition section for which you can. Pr- Ruse and enter at your leisure. <laughs> yes, we don't. We don't ask you to pleasure. answer questions. No. Why would we? Why would we ever do? Why, why would we? Why would we make no. it that challenging? No. <laughs> we just want to give this stuff away. We just want to give it away. Yeah. You know, you, you, you go on. You have whatever you want. Just sign up. We'll we'll send it out to a lucky winner. Onscreenfilm.com competition section. So, should we? Uh, should we have some more film news? One final batch, I think. Just one more batch. Let's do it. What What have you got for us? One more batch. Oh, Leia Sadu, uh, of course, from Blue's oh, right. Lawless Color, yeah. uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. And yeah, and now Spectre. it's going to be Spectre. Yeah, yeah. she's going to be the Bond girl. She has been offered the female lead in the X Men spin-off Gambit. Now this is interesting because quite a few uh, fantastic uh, young actresses were up for this, including yes. our favourite uh, Miss Ferguson, Rebecca yes. Ferguson. Interestingly enough, uh, but she has she has ultimately just won the part, hasn't she? Basically. She has. Uh, meanwhile, we've got Vin Diesel, who has now confirmed via Instagram of all things that uh, because Trump... he is the king of social media, he, he really is. Yeah. Clearly, he's, he's second only to Stephen Amell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Vin Diesel's now confirmed he will be returning for Triple X3 and it's going to start filming at the end of the year was so. anybody really looking forward to it was anybody like oh I really hope they do Triple X3 apart from yourself apart from myself you know about the tattoo right just out of interest what tattoo what? You've, you've never seen this have you no uh, you, wow you've never seen that so okay. Van has a triple X tattoo on his arm I do I wow. do yeah, I had that done for a bet years ago <laughs> I, and I won that bet would you believe okay so uh, Shigeru Mayamato who is the general manager of Nintendo mm. has expressed a desire by the company to move into the feature film business and there have been little inklings about this for some time and uh, it looks like it may actually now happen. So, Might get a Zelda film. Well, if you don't know this, it's, it's been a company mandate since 1993. <laughs> I wonder Coincidentally. why. Coincidentally. <laughs> yeah. that they will not make movies out of their products for fear of them being inferior. This happened to coincide with awful reviews for their one and only attempt at such a thing. But, uh, <laughs> no prizes for guessing what that is. Yes. It yeah. starred Bob Hoskins and Johnny Legs. Johnny Legs. Johnny Legs. <laughs> Johnny Legs. John Leguizamo. <laughs> 
Uh, Diablo Cody, meanwhile, has announced that she will not be attempting to direct a film ever again mm. following the spectacular failure of 2013's Paradise. Although, this was a film which starred Russell Brand and Julianne Hoff. What did she really yeah. expect from that? Nick Offerman was in that, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think people just, you know, she, she is a great writer. I think she'll just focus on that. Yeah. One final piece, then. Um, Brian Cranston. Mm. A.K.A. Heisenberg, A.K.A. Walter White, A.K.A. Trumbo, <laughs> exactly has has been uh, set to join James Franco in an upcoming comedy, which I have the title of this. But he's going to play an average farmer, uh, average farmer, average, average farmer. father, <laughs> average farmer. Like average you were farmer. like above average farmer, <laughs> above average farmer, uh, average father who uh, dukes it out with his daughter's smarmy boyfriend, played by James Franco. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. this sounds like fear without the without the psychopath aspect. <laughs> yes. So, you know, Gil Grissom and uh, mm. Mark Wahlberg, we're going to substitute that out with uh, Brian Cranston and James Franco. James Franco. This sounds like it could be interesting. It could be like a bad neighbours kind of thing. Yeah, you know, with, I like that. Uh, yeah, it kind of works. On to, of course, mm. the the biggest release of the week, the most high-profile release of the week, Man. straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Does anyone pronounce it in a way other than that? Uh, no, you have, you have to do it. Like straight out of Compton. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, right, I, so this I, is, I can't uh, say the rest of the words. You, you really can't. I don't think, I think you're broadcasting law. Laws allow us to really. No, but, yeah. uh, so this is of course the uh, biography of a biopic for NWA. Yeah. So Ice Cube, Easy E, Ice Cube, and DOC. To uh, what lyrics are they from? Where they actually say it that way? Is it Gangster Gangster? No, no, it's one of Dre's later ones. It's. Uh, I've been listening to Forgot NWA. About Dre. I think it's yes, Forgot it about is, yeah. Dre. I've been listening to NWA pretty DOC. exclusively this week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we've got this biopic now. It's produced by Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. Yeah, and you can tell. And you can you can <laughs> tell it's uh, it's it's basically the depiction of their rise and well, I want to say fall, but really it's dot 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 continued rise and how they became mm. the voice of an unheard minority, really. And then Beats headphones. And and then Beats headphones. So as I say, this is how Ice Cube. Uh, DJ Ren, uh, Easy Eat, and Co. Got DJ, together, DJ Yella yeah. got together and formed NWA in the face of resistance from the authorities, from the US government itself, and of course became the voice of an unheard generation. Here's a clip. Your songs, they glamorize the lifestyle of gangs, guns, drugs. Our art is a reflection of our reality. What you see when you go outside your door? I know what I see. And it ain't glamorous. You get AKs from Russia and cocaine from Colombia. And ain't none of us got a passport, so... Yeah. Might want to check the source. Yeah, next question. Will you be more careful about what you say, how you say it? No. Probably not, no. Wow. Freedom of speech includes rap music, right? But we exercise in our First Amendment, as far as I'm concerned. And the government wrote that. So that's the press conference there in which NWA are asked to justify sort of their you know, their standing and their their attitude really. Mm. Attitude making, of course, the final one of the uh the final A in NWA. Uh yeah, you can't say the first one. You can't one. say the, can't say the first one. We'll just say with with, with, attitude. with with attitude. With attitude, there you go. Yeah. So right. <laughs> where to start with this film? Um you, you didn't get to see this in the end, did you? Uh no, and it is it's pained me greatly. Yeah, I pained tried me. on two separate occasions yesterday to watch it and it was <laughs> it sold out every time. It was sold out, yeah. Right. So on the one hand what you have is quite an entertaining biopic. I do I do have to say entertaining. It is entertaining. In terms of, you know, just a, a general experience. You're not going into it for truth or, or honesty or anything like that. It is quite entertaining what it is. It it hits right mo- the right moments, the right movements. It is quite emotionally moving in places. It's quite oh yeah in other yeah. places. 
And, you know, there's, it's got a very likeable cast. Uh, I do think Jason Mitchell is the undisputed star of the film, though, as mm. Easy E. Easy E, yeah. Because he also has the most to do in terms of the aspects of yeah. the character of Easy E as depicted. I've always thought that Easy E was the most interesting one. Jazz of, well, that's it, because yeah, the film depicts him as being quite unwitting. In, in the early stages of NWA he's he's sort of drafted into it just by chance kind mm. of a thing he's not really one of the founders of it and of course the film does one service which I, I feel is long long overdue which is to actually give Ice Cube more respect and recognition and representation for what he actually achieved in hip hop uh, which is something in, in the mainstream we don't really ever acknowledge and the film no. nicely rectifies this it does however contain a certain amount of whitewashing as regards Dr. Dre yeah but there is something that is left out well so there's I've quite a few it. things there's basically Dre's entire yeah. personality which but, is there's a certain theme Yes, as far as Dre goes, there does seem to be a lot of PR work at play. He's got got a lot of money. (laughs) He's got got a lot of money. (laughs) Right, so you've got really the central central story, which is the ban, their impact on American culture, but then that is kind of cast aside continuously for this lengthy dispute over royalties and financial incentives and sort of corrupt dealings by Paul Giamatti's financial manager character. And it's it's that aspect that feels quite dry because you're really getting into the cultural side of it over and over again, and then they keep deferring you to this financial side. You're like, I don't care. Can we go back to you know the riots in L.A. the the Rodney King is the Rodney King uh, incidentally is is really offhandedly dealt with. It's given mm. about two or three minutes of screen time. You're thinking no because this was the band that meant so much at that time and it was such an intrinsic event to the mm. evolution of this band and why is Black Society not represented more by this film in in lieu of you know who's Paul Giamatti giving the money to because I don't care about that yeah. I saw Love and Mercy I've seen him do this you've seen that character yeah I've seen Paul Giamatti do this before and you and I reviewed Love and Mercy we together, did yeah, just a few months ago <laughs> so I mean <laughs> Dre's uh, real life personality is entirely absent from the film He's played as a very, very nice boy. But I will say this, Corey Hawkins plays him expertly. Really, really well. An expert performance from Corey Hawkins. But I will stress, he is playing the character of Dre. Not Dre. Not in any way Dr. Dre. Um, The the performance for Ice Cube, I have to point this out. O'Shea Jackson Jr., who is, of course, the real-life son of Ice Cube. It is such a spotless, flawless performance (laughs) as Ice Cube. It's eerie. It's almost comical, isn't it? Yeah. It, it just is Ice Cube. It, it is. And you it's just think, perfect. Well, yeah. you've kind of got no excuse not to be, really. It's kind of like asking me to play my dad. I'm pretty sure I'd do a spot-on job. Yeah, well, you've, uh, you've studied that character for a while. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As a solitary film in its own right, though, uh, Straight Outta Compton, it, it is solidly enjoyable. It's more than a little moving. It's very engrossing. Um, F. Gary Gray's uh, style packs in a quite a gritty punch. I like Gary Gray very much. Uh, I, I don't remember him before. He was, on tele- he was a television director, was, and yeah. then I think he broke through with films like The Negotiator hmm. at the end of the 90s and I really liked I like The Negotiator I love the style of it as yeah. well um, but his, his natural sort of gritty style does work wonders mm. for it the film it was going to be uh, John Singleton I did hear that and you yeah. almost feel like John Singleton would clearly have been the wrong choice I think he might have gone too glossy too whitewashing with it I agree Yeah. and F. Gary Gray I think would bring slightly more truth to it but apparently still not enough <laughs> naturally enough it boasts the soundtrack of the year What's, what's not to expect from that one? 
Um, but it's hard to ignore the sort of flawed interior. It's hard to ignore the, the cracks in the surface that are just allowing you to peer at what's going on at the centre of it. Mm-hmm. And what's going on at the centre of it is... Look, we're nowhere near as bad as we really were. It's all our financial manager's fault. It's yeah. also got this... Blame, blame the white guy. That's it. I mean, you feel like this should have been a shoe in for the best picture. This should have been a shoe in for next year's best picture award. But what you've got is a film which instead isn't treated with the objective approach that it truly deserves. Mm. There's clearly too much intervention from those involved. They've stopped developing the film once it's reached the level of, oh, it's dope. And don't get me wrong, it is dope. It is dope. Oh, it, At least 90% dope. It's dope, that's, that's 90% dope. It's yeah. dope as hell. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you've got a film that's all about, hey, we're the voice of an oppressed culture, and then you end it with, and then we sold some Beats headphones yeah. for $3.2 billion. Well, you said that when you saw the screen of this, which was a preview press screening, it, press it opened with a... Beats trailer. It did open yeah. with the Beats. Hey, why don't go on, on you know, uh, Beats.com yeah. and, and, and download this app and pose for you. You're like, no. I mean, adding insult to injury, I want to point out that I did leave this screening, and this is a moment of almost real-world irony, where you, you leave the screening for Shred.Compton and you go on, you take out your iPhone and you go on Apple Music, which doesn't work, by the way. <laughs> Worked for about three... Apple Music does not work. Everyone acknowledges this now. And you try to download uh, Dre's Compton album, as it's now right, called. Yeah. And, of course, you're not able to download it because Apple Music doesn't work. Apple Music, which, of course, owns Beats. And that, for me, I think... Tells you, that kind of sum, that sums up the film <laughs> for me. But I say, you're still presumably going to see this. I'm definitely going to see it. You've not dissuaded me at all. It's an enjoyable film. However, it's not the NWA film that I wanted it to be. It's a great film. Okay. It's not the NWA well, have, film. Have you heard what is apparently in the pipeline next? Because Ooh, we should just say there are a couple of people playing other uh, hip-hop luminaries. So there's a Tupac cameo. There is a Tupac in there. It's a great cameo as well. This guy really looks like Tupac. There's a Snoop cameo played by a guy called Keith Stanfeld. Well, something? he's got the voice and he's got the, the, the movement. Yeah. It doesn't look like Snoop. Though. Okay, so there's a rumour going on that there's going to be a sequel focused on that relationship. Now that would intrigue me. Yeah. So we need to decide on a film of the week. Well, I've only seen Barely Lethal, and I'm not going you don't to give want to it to Barely Lethal. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going with We Are Your Friends. I think of everything I've seen mm. this week, um, I would be most intrigued to see We Are Your Friends again. Um, you know what? It's like a beer and pizza movie. I would probably give Hitman the time of day again as well. And I I'm think surprised by I that. would be intrigued to see uh, Straight Outta Company. I think Barely Lethal is the only film this week that I wouldn't watch again. Mm. But uh, a best film of the week, I'm genuinely going to give it to uh, We Are Your Friends. It's a wife. Hashtag wife. Hashtag wife. So, we've got uh, some interesting stuff to come next week, however, in the we meanwhile. Have, I'm quite looking forward to next week. Well, next week we've got No Escape, in which, for the first time <laughs> in 14 years, Owen Wilson's trying an action thriller. What was the last one? Is it Behind Them? Uh, behind Them Lines. lines. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We had its I release date. It had its release date bumped up after 9-11, if you remember. I do remember that, yeah. It was, and it's been regarded actually since as one of the shrewdest and most effective marketing moves a film release date moves ever mm. recreated. <laughs> so as I say, we've got uh, that to look forward to next week. No Escape with Owen Wilson and Pierce Brosnan. Uh, Lake Bell, yeah. And Lake Bell, whom... Why, you're the, the only person who likes Lake Bell. Besides Lake I, Bell. I, I am... No, I'm definitely not. But. <laughs> we also have, of course, American Ultra with Jesse Eisenberg oh, I'm and looking Christa forward to Stitt. that, yeah. This could be good. I'm looking Topher forward Grace. to Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Sorry, just quickly speaking about Topher Grace, did you notice there was a photo in Bell Illegal 
that is Turf for Grace. Yes, yes, I'm and then he's just not in the film. Yeah, yeah. it's strange that isn't he it? plays someone's dad, and then he's not in the rest of the film. <laughs> you see, how depressing is it though that Turf for Grace is now playing someone's dad? Oh yeah, that's all. Yeah, we've also got me and Earl and the Dying Girl. That's next week. Very much looking forward. Uh, we have Ricky and the Flash next week. Oh, we'll be fine. Yeah, this is Meryl Streep's it's token classic Meryl. Her Oscar entry for the year. Yeah, yeah. it's it, like Rick, Rick Springfield's in it. We, like we, clockwork every year now. Just tick it off. What's, yeah. what's Meryl's Oscar thing this year? Oh, we're doing Ricky. Okay, cool. cool. Uh, we've also got Dope. Which is, I believe, produced yeah, by yeah. Forrest Whitaker, isn't it? Uh, he's certainly in it. I don't know if he's is, is he in it? I thought he's, he's, he's definitely in it. And of course, the reboot we've all been waiting for: the Transporter refueled. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got all no that. No stay from no thanks. Yeah. No stay from no thanks. This one does, however, have Ray Stevenson, aka Punisher number three. Punisher the third. So we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. Uh, this has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. My name is Kesan. We'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. <laughs>